Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast and your week in IndyCar guest episode. Who do we have? A guy who just like flew and swam and did all kinds of stuff to get home from Sweden, having participated in a frosty but awesome race of champions with fellow Californian Jimmy Johnson. How you doing, Colton Herta? Hey, hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me let me say a quick thanks to uh, our great supporters, Cooper Tires, who power the road to Indy. The Justice Brothers and their amazing automotive chemicals and lubricants. And then finally, friends of yours and mine, wacky, wacky folks north of the border, torontomotorsports.com. You, you can get really awesome Colton Herta stickers and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff. The and stickers you, are the best. They yes. do such good The The stickers are just primo. Uh, some some of the show stuff here from the podcast, torontomotorsports.com. Check it out. Buy stuff. Be good people. So folks always love when we have you on the show. And then when you give us a reason, because you and good old James Johnson, uh, podium, uh, doing ice snow racing, not exactly, uh, your most common form of competition. Why don't we just start there? I'll get to, uh, the listener questions in just a sec, Colton, but stepping in, right. Uh, filling in here almost like a UFC fight a little bit, you know, they're, they had the card lined up injury beforehand drafted in and, uh, you didn't get knocked out. If anything, dude, you went pretty far. Tell me about general thoughts about the experience. Uh, it was super cool. And obviously not the way I kind of wanted to get drafted into my first race of champions, but, um, you know, it's, it's good to hear that, that Travis is doing well and, and his recovery is actually going, going really well. So Travis that's, that's all good things. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so different. Um, besides, you know, me being used to 80 degrees and going over there and it's minus 15. Um, yeah, it was, it was strange. It was like everything that I'd ever learned in a race car was wrong and that I needed to redo everything. My thought process on everything was, was completely wrong. So it was interesting. A lot of the guys were, were a lot of help with, with helping me out all the Swedish guys and stuff that are basically born into a rally car um and so yeah it was a lot of fun though a lot of fun well we're gonna dive into this our uh, first handful of questions before we get to indycar and looking at the upcoming season here i'm gonna get into this uh josh whose twitter handle is at the underscore jag j-a-g-e i know what that is josh but we're gonna go with it he, uh, he says, were you surprised how well you and Jimmy fared on ice versus seasoned guys like, say, the Solbergs? Uh, do you have any thoughts of trying rallying uh, after spending a couple of days getting sideways? We were very surprised. Our, our whole goal was to just get through the first round, and then we didn't really care after that because we knew guys like, like Vettel and Schumacher, while their ice driving was limited, they've done it before. Uh, so they kind of had an understanding for it, and um, even to get out of the first round, we still had to, to be, uh, Elio and Benito, who obviously is a, a rally driver. And then Elio obviously was kind of in the same boat as us as never driving on ice. But for us, just getting out of that first round was huge. And then we just kept going and we kept surprising ourselves until we, we beat Finland to get into the, uh, into the finals. And unfortunately we were, we were really no match for those guys for, for, um, for the Solbergs because they were just unreal in those and those stuff and those conditions um really talented drivers on that front so but yeah it was really cool and definitely i would i would rather 
instead of going back, I mean, obviously, I'd love to go back to the race of champions and do it again because I'd understand a bit more. But I would love to try like a proper rally car on ice, um, on like maybe not on a on a stage rally stage yet, but on a rally cross uh, rally cross track would be amazing and and get to feel like a full horsepower, all the bells and whistles car. I'm thinking Pastrana, right? Since he's so plugged in there, you did him and America a solid. I'm thinking he could maybe right. hook you up with some fun stuff to drive. So, uh, yeah, I love the uh, love the direction there. Why don't we go with our pal Frederick Weichmann, uh, I believe from Sweden, who was there, sent me a photo uh, from him sitting in uh, with the podium uh, media conference after uh, you guys did so well. He said it was amazing what you all did. Colton, we Swedes had the pleasure of having you visit us here in the snow. Driving here is far from driving on asphalt. Do you think that asphalt driving maybe could have given you some sort of development to help you on uh, on snow and ice anyways? Also said, I uh, wanted to take the opportunity to ask you if you won the uh, the uh, ping pong match against Oliver Solberg in the evening and uh, continue <laughs> to be the nice guy that we saw. So um, I don't know, dude. I just quickly, like, in IndyCar, for those who don't know, there are like three or four drivers who within the paddock are just revered for their fast, fast hands because the cars are always might not look like big drift, smoky burnouts, but the cars are always dancing way, if not a little over the edge of control. You're one of those guys, right? Where again, you're not driving reckless and wearing out the tires, but you're not everything lined up in perfect form, Break one, two, three, turn one, two, three. This car's always moving. So there has to be something like Frederick is saying about your uh, asphalt development because you kind of drive the car like it's a little bit on ice and snow as it is. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's completely different, to be honest. Like there's, from technique-wise, there's nothing. Um, you know, I think what helps is how much time I've spent in a race car and understand the feeling like under my butt and understanding you know, as I was doing it more and more, I could kind of understand like, Oh, that was, that was how you're supposed to do it. That was correct. Um, or no, that was, that was wrong. So I could feel it in my butt, but I couldn't quite get the technique down, um, completely all the time. Um, and I did lose in ping pong. I don't know. Those guys are crazy over there at ping pong. (laughs) Apparently it's like a, I don't know. If you get invited back, what's the one thing you're working on? Ping pong. Got to take those fools down. Ping pong uh let's no, see we just need me and jimmy we just needed to get them to play beer pump Ooh, a little bit of america <laughs> over there oh uh, we got developments i love it uh jonas magnuson says how did you enjoy it he says it was it just pure fun he says i understand that the city uh the patea city has signed a five-year agreement to host the event would you come back if you had the opportunity i for sure want to come back um unfortunately it's not up to me but hopefully with what I was kind of able to show the potential, um, coming back, I feel like I could be a lot stronger, but it was, it was awesome. And all the people were amazing, um, to stand out there in that cold literally all day, um, was, was pretty cool to see. And a lot of people showed up also. And, and yeah, it was awesome to meet everybody and and kind of be, be in that, but I would definitely be up for, uh, for coming back for sure. Last question here in this theme comes from our friend Mitsuki Matsura says, which track, Colton, on the 2022 IndyCar calendar would you like to drive on snow? 
like he did in the race of champions. <laughs> How about drifting around a snow covered corkscrew at Laguna? I don't know why, but yeah, my brain goes thinking. to, yeah, my brain goes to like road America though, but it, that'd be like death, right? That'd be too crazy. Yeah, it would be, it would be really fun. I think it would just be cool because of all the undulation and stuff with, with, um, with Laguna. I th- that's kind of what my brain first went to trying to navigate the corkscrew and then down through turn nine and ten, turn 10 all the way down the hill would be interesting. I think we'd need spiked snow tires if we went like yes. reverse course at Laguna, like trying to climb the corkscrew <laughs> I reverse. Think, I don't think we would make it up in an Indy car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that, that might have been a failure of my ideas there. Uh, let's see. I want to go to our pal Mato Cori says, hey, thrilling race. Nice new Rolex from Daytona. Asks what has become Colton kind of a standard thing. Were there victory tacos consumed afterwards in Daytona? And uh, he also asks, are there any new challenges you're really hyped for this season in IndyCar? Um, yeah, obviously, there's a whole bunch of challenges this year in IndyCar. Um, I, of course, I got tacos after after the win. Um, the I wear. I live with myself. The wear oh, is wear. also uh, important. So at um, Tacos Hermanos, I think I've mentioned it a few times on yes. this podcast. It's the taco truck that's... Um, out here in Los Angeles and I was out here. So, um, I got to go there and they always do amazing cash only. Um, so hopefully IRS doesn't come for them after I said that on this podcast, but it's, it's great dollar tacos. Um, and what was the second part of the question? Challenges. Yeah. Um, big new challenges for the year. You know, I think we just kind of have to keep going at the pace that we were, right? We were, we we're on a win streak until we went to Sweden there of, of I think three wins, including Daytona. Um, and so I think we just need to kind of regroup and we have a Sebring test coming up and we're kind of using that as a dress rehearsal. I don't think we're going to do too much setup wise. I think we know kind of what we want going into St. Pete again and, uh, yeah, just keep it going how we were at the end of the year. Hopefully. This is one of those dumb questions you're accustomed to having me ask, but I always want to explore the idea of whether momentum is real or not, or if it isn't real can you manifest it in some way, tangible way to hold on to something that you have that was positive? So you mentioned the streak to close the IndyCar season, right? It wasn't three wins in a row, but it was you being more than capable or at least you know, in a position where you could have easily uh, blanketed right. the last. Well, I was counting the Daytona win. No, fair enough, but I, I'm talking on the IndyCar side. Okay, uh, right. Portland could have easily been a win for you to go with the mud stomp and you put on everybody at, at Laguna and then Long Beach as well. So you're coming out of the end of the 2021 IndyCar season, rising to fifth with this pretty amazing effort to close the year. You and your supreme race engineer, Nathan O'Rourke, the whole number 26 and Dreddy Honda crew as well go to daytona again win there which is great is momentum a thing colton because if it is holy crap the your rivals need to look out when we get to saint pete and so on but is that a thing is it a mental thing or is it just nonsense folks like me ask about i think it's not as much as like a a momentum as as much as it is just confidence um going into the, the next races and understanding that you guys have a good package and it's not just for the driver it's for the whole team 
right? Um, from the engineering front. And, you know, when we come in for a pit stop, the guys know that we can win the race and they know that they've done it before the weekend before. So they're a lot more confident about their abilities and stress-free. Um, so I think it's just a lot of confidence. It's what it really is. Why don't we go to, where do we go next? Um, here's fun. Here's one, a little bit of left field, but maybe back to something. Uh, Rebecca Sanchez, she, uh, at Flamingo girl, 156 on the good old tweeters says Colton, other than formula one, is there a car or race left that you're really trying to uh, take part in? Um, well, I think it'd be really cool to drive, um, one of my dad's old Raynars when he was able to drive. Um, although that's not a race, um, I think it'd be really cool to be able to drive one of those cart cars from, from the late nineties. Um, do you know anybody or does your dad have any friends or no folks? I don't know. There's gotta be a Raynard running out there. I'm not sure. We, we need to make this happen. A call, we're going to put a call out to the world because this needs because you on some Firestone Reds tearing up a Renard, whatever it might be, engine package in the back of it. That would be mm-hmm. just supreme. That would be sublime, man. Yes. Yeah. And it would. Well, what did my dad drive in the late night? It was a Renard with um, Mercedes. Mercedes yeah. And he also drove a Ford also. With, yep. Um, Ray Hall in his two years there. Um, and they were on, but they were on good years, I believe. I don't think they got Firestones. Um, but yeah, it, that would be awesome. Another race that, that I really want to do is Le Mans. Um, you know, hopefully there's, there's a chance there with, with my BMW connections in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot more seats as we see a lot of OEMs coming into the LMDH stuff. Um, although I, I would imagine that the FIA don't want their baby losing at Le Mans, so maybe the hypercar would be the best there always, but um, who knows? We can always dream. We can always dream. Uh, yeah, Richard Buckle, sticking with the uh, the Le Mans angle, is that something you would pursue as an individual, Colton? So I know you mentioned the BMW links, obviously, but we know that uh, Acura, uh, we'll be there. Obviously, you're one of the lead representatives for Honda Performance Development slash Honda. Um, if for whatever reason a BMW seat doesn't open up, is that something you would be dialing around saying, hey, Le Mans, prototype, I want to be there. Uh, who's in? I would I would love to. You know, I think it just like I've got my, my win in Daytona, although it's not the overall, um, which I'd like to do someday, but you know, I came so close to winning Sebring. We got taken out five laps to go in the BMW there two or three years ago. Um, and so these, like kind of these premier sports car races would be, would be awesome to do. I, I also want to do the, the 12 hours of Bathurst and the GT3 cars, um, the 24 hours of Nürburgring. There's a lot of these road races, like these prestigious endurance races that I'd love to, to have the chance to, to race and, and preferably win. Um, but we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm pretty booked up on time right now with IndyCar and stuff, but maybe if an opportunity comes and, and it makes sense, I would totally do it. We're going to go, uh, if we just went to the left field, we're going to go to right field. Eric Harkrader from Facebook, very important question here. Uh, Will Turner, uh, IMSA team owner, love him. Also a man who's not afraid to put tacos as the uh, main sponsor on the side of his BMWs. He says, uh, for Will Turner's edification, does cheese belong on tacos or no? Um, well, I think 
So if you're talking Los Angeles street tacos, it's normally just your meat. And um, so for something that's a little more flavorful, like a al pastor or something, you'd use the red salsa, which is spicier and lacks a little bit of flavor. And then if you have something like carnitas or chicken, you'd have the salsa verde, the green salsa, because um, it gets you a little bit more flavor. And then onion, cilantro, and that's it. That's like the street taco. Um, so cheese, I don't know. I don't know if that's more of like a, a Mexican-American thing, but I think like the, the all-natural street tacos, they do not have cheese on it. So I'll go with that answer. Taco Aficionado Magazine. Coming to you from Colton Herta Productions, y'all. Listen to that. Plus, great call on the go. Salsa Verde, right? And also, mm-hmm. if you're having a burrito, taco, whatever, without onions and cilantro, you might be a member of Al-Qaeda. That's all I'm saying here. So uh, <laughs> it's got to happen, or, or else you have some serious issues. Let's go to Jordan Darwin. Dude, you've been on the show many times, and I hope you enjoy it like I do for the fact that Nothing's linear. We bounce around, but that's kind of our audience, right? They enjoy all (laughs) facets of you. Jordan Darwin says, Colton, when you're driving at a track, is it surgical? Like break at this marker, turn at the fence post point here, hit the apex at the stripe there. Or is it more of a feel and flow where you just know what to do uh, with what's happening in front of you naturally? I think it it depends on who you're asking. Um, You know, you know, I know a guy like Newgarden uses a lot of reference points, um, you know, the tree here or, you know, there's a scuff mark on the ground there and break there. Um, but a guy like Will Power, it, you can ask him, he doesn't even use break markers or, or the boards on the side of the road. He breaks off the field. Um, I, I feel like I'm somewhere in, in between the two. I'll use cues or references sometimes, um, but I think more of the time, maybe more of a feel thing. Um, you know, especially on ovals, it's hard to get a reference going that fast. So it is more on feel and and repetition. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle there. That aspect always fascinates me about drivers, Colton, and having worked with a lot over the years, it's always fascinating to see how folks make speed, right? If we're talking at the IndyCar level, you know, you power new guard run down the list. Y'all are identical, right? I mean, it's tiniest fractions that separate your lap times but how you all get there whether it's all feel all technical somewhere in between you know the it's it's fascinating because as some will say who are maybe more on the feel side look every lap my tires have a tiny percent less grip and i've burned off a bit more fuel and whatever whatever and so if i'm doing the same thing at the same brake marker every time I'm not actually driving to the car's limits. It could be a higher limit. It could be a lower limit, but I need to adjust with the car. Therefore, I can't say, aha, this braking marker is where it happens every lap. For others, they need that structure. And within that structure, they can brake at that marker. And then as they roll off the brake, decide, oh, you know, there's a little bit more left. I'm going to carry some additional rolling speed towards the apex to compensate for that little bit I might have just given up. So, but again, the bottom line, man, it's fascinating how there's, everyone's there's no, so different. There's no right or wrong way 
to to create speed as long as there's speed there and it's and it's part of why you see some guys struggle when they change cars right there's some guys are used to finding speed this way and the car just whatever new chassis new arrow the car just won't allow it um so you know that's kind of why you see maybe some guys that are dominant in some era and and lack speed in others and we're not talking massively up we're talking a tenth or two but uh it all counts where else are we going to go here uh, a couple more Let's see mike caruso says other than your relationship with your race engineer what is the next most important relationship in terms of the impact on your overall results i love the question and also recognize it has a great ability to alienate folks but um is that a crew chief your chief mechanic is it a strategist is it your girlfriend is it you i think it's it's kind of everyone equally um right because you need you need a strong car but there's all these guys are putting in the equal amounts of hours to get the car ready and um no one's leaving early when right when i crash the car or something like this so everyone's putting in work uh, so you need to keep everyone happy you need to keep the strategist happy that's easy easy for me because it's my dad um and so for the engineer also Right, you want him to put in as much work in the damper department, simulations and stuff like this to give you the best chance. And for those mechanics, I can tell you it's not fun sometimes when you ride off a car at five o'clock in a test day and you're testing the next day. Um, it is not fun for them. So you need you need to try to keep everyone as happy. But if they like you, they won't mind and they'll put in the effort and and they'll understand that's kind of part of it. Um, so. Are you mechanically inclined enough to help and pitch in if need be? No, no, I'm not. I could tell you how stuff works, but I couldn't tell you how to put it together and take it apart. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you can work a little spray bottle and uh, some some towels and rags to clean things if necessary. I can, but... Yeah, I can do tire pressure. I could probably make a bar change if they wanted to change the front or rear bar. I could probably do that, figure that out. And besides that, it's just a rag and and Windex. Rag and Windex, the Colton Herta story, boys and girls. All right, uh, where else do we go? Uh, uh, Prinical Sick, I think, which is a little flip on cynical bleep. Uh, at Prinical S from Twitter says, what driver have you learnt the most from on the track? And what driver have you learnt the most from off the track? And uh, his name can't be Brian spelled with a Y. <laughs> um, Honestly, probably Rossi and Hunter Ray. Um, those guys were, were awesome to me my rookie year. They're very helpful and continue to be, um, you know, and, and I like to think that I'm, I kind of help the same way. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm slower or faster. We all kind of help each other out in the same way that we would. Um, so, yeah, those guys on and just how to conduct yourself off the track and stuff like that, those would be the biggest for me. Obviously, I have a lot more inside insight for for them rather than like a dixon or a new garden like these guys that are from other teams so yeah it has to be those two dixon's not very good right too like there'd be nothing you'd try and learn off that you, yeah it's just old yeah right washed you up need his data right god it's so sad that guy keeps hanging around uh let's go to sam johnson it says colton what is more important for you from a career goal standpoint winning the indianapolis 500 or winning a championship that's a tough one because both are massive. Like I, I couldn't pick between the two. Um, you know, for me with where my career is at right now, I think a championship would do more. Um, 
but I think a 500 win, right? Like it's, I, that's a tough question. I can't really answer that one truthfully. I can I answer it for you. Like I, uh, for you, both amazing. for you, I'd say championship because there are, I, th- I think so too in my career where I'm at right now. Yes. There are some amazing drivers, IndyCar legends who never won an Indy 500. Are they less than? No, they're not less than others because they didn't win an Indy 500. I guess the flip side to that, we have many, many, many winners of the Indy 500 who were never able to win a championship. And to me, hashtag me personally, um, of, of course winning the Indy 500 is a life-changing thing. Huge and amazing, puts you in a class um, like no other. It's a little, it's a little fluky though, right? Um, Mario right. Andretti, one-time Indy 500 winner, he should have ten. Uh, Michael Andretti, zero-time winner, should have three or four or five. That doesn't change their skills or capabilities uh, in how they should be regarded, though. So at least for what I'm looking at with you, man, uh, locking down a championship, having demonstrated you're the best over 17 races or whatever like that to me holds an amazing amount of weight and it seems like where you can't really plan on winning an indy 500 i think there is enough influence a driver like yourself a perennial contender like yourself can exert to make a championship happen in a way that on you know one sunday at the end of may not every driver can really influence uh, their result to beat everyone else just through willpower and uh, and desire. So that's at least how my head works. That's the correct answer. There we go. I got a correct answer for once. All right, we're going to wind <laughs> down with, uh, I think we got three to go here. Our pal Jamie Rowe, Colton, first, congrats on the new watch. Uh, so, so I sent this in a couple of weeks ago. Marshall said to uh, resubmit it when you're on, so here it goes. We were rooting for you at the Indy 500 last year and loved watching you race to the front all day. He says, I've watched replays of the race several times and still can't figure out what happened to you after the last pit stop. After being in the top five all day, what happened after you ended up finishing 16th? He says, by the way, best of luck, and you are my pick for series championship and Indy 500 winner. So uh, Jamie Rowe is all in uh, on Team Colton here, but... Tell us about what happened at the 500, man. So there was a few problems um, that that happened at the 500 just continually through the race. Maybe it didn't seem as big of an issue at the time, um, but we were going loose in the race, and by the end of it, we were we were quite loose. So we were having to pit early. We couldn't. The rear tire wear was too much um, for us to do a, a complete full stint. So we kind of put ourselves in a box where we we're kind of undercutting you know, two laps, two laps. And when you undercut, you come out, right, let's say it's a, what is a 41-second lap, and the pits is 35 or something like this. So by the time you get out, not only are you in clean air and no one's in front of you, but you're also towing first place right behind you around so that they can catch back up to you and then pit, and they made up all this time. Um, so that was a problem that we were kind of facing for most of the race and trying to fix that through pit stops, but we couldn't quite pinch that, that looseness off. And, um, and then eventually we got into the point where we were undercutting, you know, 
let's say two laps for, for four stops, right? So that's six laps by the, by the last stop, um, before the leaders were. And I came out behind, I think Max and, um, Hildebrand and, um, I couldn't get by them and, and they were not quick. So I kind of got stuck behind them and things happen fast when you're going 240 miles an hour. So even if you're losing a little bit of time or what seems to be a little bit of time at 240 miles an hour, it's a lot faster. Um, so yeah, I went from, I think fourth or fifth to 16th. Um, so yeah, we kind of got stuck in a box there where it, yeah, it just wasn't going to happen that day, unfortunately. And we started to realize that we're trying to, trying to find a way to make up the time, but we kind of just shot ourselves in the foot. Good old foot shooting. Never a lot of fun. Uh, Dan Tenoff, you are our penultimate question asker. Says, uh, Colton, mid-race concerts seem to now be a thing on the NASCAR side. I know you were busy last weekend, but they had, uh, what, Pitbull and Ice Cube performing uh, at the LA Coliseum. Um, uh-huh. He says, if IndyCar adopts the same idea, possible that if the, uh, the IndyCar series were to ask, the Zibs might uh, turn up and do a, a mid-race concert? And would you be up for that? <laughs> Diving out of the car, drumming your ass off, then getting back in and racing, or would you blow out your arms? I don't think I would be able to physically, but who knows? Um, they used to have a lot of concerts after IndyCar races. Um, I don't know what happened to that, but I remember, you know, kind of in the mid two thousands, it was always a thing either Saturday night or Sunday night. Um, they would always have concerts. I remember good Charlotte one time watching them, I think St. Petersburg or something like that, or maybe it was Kansas. Um, so yeah, they always, they, they used to do that. Um, but that would be an interesting aspect to IndyCar racing. I don't know mid-race caution hop out power would probably be there with his little electric drum set too i don't know it, yeah <laughs> this could be fun i uh, what like did rossi grow up playing the flute or something i don't know it feels like there might be some hidden musical talent we need to find out about we can put together <laughs> another indycar band uh why don't we close the show here with a little bit of more fun trip hazard our pal at nashville uh nashville skies on twitter Says in a straight up fight between you and Connor Daly, who gets their hair dried, moosed, and ready to rumble quickest after a shower. Uh, I've joined the Colton Herta hairstyle club, and uh, he admits it does take me forever. Says uh, his money's on Daly. I think his mullet just clips on. So I'm guessing you would have have to have showered with Connor and done your hair together yeah, to know, know the answer. So there might be a bit of a leading question here from Trip, but uh, what do you think? Um, I honestly think Connor was probably, I, I have a lot of hair, um, on the sides too, where he has kind of that slick back, um, thinner style hair. So I don't know. I think, I think he would have me, have me there, but, um, yeah, I, <laughs> that's a funny question. It is. I well, think Connor is the winner. Yeah. Well, he also has one here and you know, we're going to a super quick bonus, uh, question or two, uh, trip also asks when you went to Sweden, did uh, Felix Rosenquist join you and induct you into drinking the uh, the national drink of Sweden, Fox Piss? And are you aware of what Fox Piss is? <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's apparently what, do you some, know what it is. Yeah, it's it's some form of like crazy strong coffee that is so strong that apparently, and I don't know how you would line this with a fox compared to any other animals, but apparently it's so strong. Uh, there's some sort of like oh, it's almost urine level strong. So. Um, so it's not an alcoholic drink. It's no, not. no, but it sounds like it could uh, be. 
I don't know. Yeah. I've never tried it. But Felix, um, Felix is actually thinking of starting his own coffee line. No joke. Fox Piss Coffee. That's funny. Yes. Um, you know, there's one question here, and I'll admit I don't fully remember all the ramifications, but my brain isn't always my, uh, my best friend. Uh, but let's close on this one from uh, our pal Tice to Becker from Holland. He says, Colton, what's your message to Renus VK ahead of the upcoming season? Am I forgetting some beef here or something like that? Or, uh, or what's going on? I don't think so. Um, the only thing that I could think of is he chopped me pretty bad at gateway, but that was like two years ago now. Um, so I don't know what he's referencing. But why don't, well, come up with a message nonetheless, you know? It could be full WWE, I'm going to take you down, brother. You know, it could be really nice. Hey, I hope you have a great season, buddy. Whatever you want. Let's yeah, close the I show. Just, I, good luck. I don't want all of Holland breaking down my door trying to get me. I actually love that country, so I'd like to be able to go there and not be recognized as being, you know, the guy, the, the guy with the mark. So, yeah, I don't know. Good luck on his season. Um, I love Holland. Let me back, please. He, you, you are going <laughs> to deliver a bouquet of roses to Renus on the grid at St. Pete. I know it, just to make sure that Holland is good with you, because when they get mad at you, man, they let you know it. So you're, you, this is some great strategy here. Keep Renus in a happy place. His country, men and women, will uh, let you back in. Maybe <sighs> he's just a little sore because I whooped him on Daytona. Ow. Ooh. Hey, you let him borrow your watch uh, once a year. Go. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting myself in trouble now. Colton, <laughs> thank you as always, brother. Uh, can't wait. Seriously, cannot wait for this IndyCar season to start. I think it is going. If 2021 was crazy, I think this is going to be a monster of a season with you and so many other animals just attacking each other without mercy i cannot wait for it to start and i have no clue where it's going to end but i'm positive you're going to be in the mix so thanks for taking some time and saint pete here we come thanks so much and thanks for all the uh, awesome questions and and listen to me blabber for 30 minutes should i tell folks you remembered uh that i texted you uh on like monday or tuesday and you you forgot to respond but you remembered you needed to respond while you're in the shower and that's still a little pro <laughs> like i'm still trying to figure out like why are you thinking about me in the shower cold hearted i'm gonna leave that right there um <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'll, I'll talk to you later <laughs>